Welcome back to the Maid Podcast. My name is Audrey Meadows and I'm your host. Today we have the second episode and my special friend Amber Beckloff is here to just tell us a little bit about her story and her journey. And as you might see, the title is May to Return. Amber, do you want to introduce yourself? Uh, sure. My name is Amber Beckloff. I am married of three years and I'm a pediatric occupational therapist. Yeah, so Amber and I met, um, we found out today that we met like two and a half years ago, but we both started working at a pediatric private practice here locally. I'm a speech therapist. She's an occupational therapist. And honestly, we met each other at a super unique time in our lives. She was, you know, walking through the valley. I think, you know, we'll tell a little bit more about her story, but basically she grew up in the church and then at some point left the church and left her relationship with God. And we're going to just talk about what that return journey looks like, what it looked like for her, somebody who, you know, we might talk about as a wandering child. And then what it looked like for me, somebody who was relatively stable in my faith, but like how to encourage somebody who is walking that journey. So buckle up. We're going to dive in pretty deep. It's episode two, we're ready for it. And we're super excited to walk the road of just how to return to Christ. Welcome to Making All Daughters Equipped, or as I like to call it, MADE, a podcast where real women tell their stories about how they have been equipped by the King of Kings. We each have a story to tell. And through these stories, the Lord has been guiding and creating purpose in these moments. Now we're ready to boldly tell our stories and equip you, daughters of God. I'm your host, Audrey Meadows, and I'm here to facilitate God's calling on your life to be fully made equipped in His image. All right, guys, so we are going to travel back to August 2018, and that is when life got a little bit hectic for me. I was newly pregnant with my son, John Wilson, and at the time, I obviously didn't know who was inside of me, but I went on my lunch break, came back, and had been having cramping for two days, of which I was seriously concerned about, and I went to the restroom and had a major gush of blood come out. I know that's like way too TMI, but it's just, it is what it is. And so I came out of the bathroom like super flustered, really upset because I had already had this cramping. And if you've ever been pregnant before, you know, especially as a new mom and pregnancy, your brain kind of gets a little neurotic and you go to those really dark places really quick. And so when the blood started, I just went into a really dark place like instantly. And I walked out of the bathroom and Amber was the only one in the building. And so we've known each other for about five months at this point, but definitely have no intimate relationship whatsoever. And I walk out of the bathroom and I'm just like, listen, I need somebody here. I need to pray over my womb. And I just went to town, like spiritual warfare prayer to the fullest, laid hands on my belly and just prayed that, you know, that, that the life inside of me would live and survive whatever was going on in my body. And so Amber, if you kind of want to fill in your side of the story and where you were at in this moment, because I feel like we, I call this the birth of our friendship. Like this is where our friendship was birthed. So I come out, I'm laying hands and praying. What are your thoughts? 
So I was a new baby occupational therapist, newlywed, and there had been some trials in my marriage where um, I just did not want to talk to Jesus. I did not want to hear from him. I was a little upset and that I didn't receive answers to the promises that I expected from him. Um, I thought that I had periods of betrayal and I was very, very bitter. And here is this woman just praying and laying hands and having the most powerful prayer over her womb. And I just sat there in awe and just stared at her. Yeah. So let me preface and interject that her just staring at her felt really, really weird. So I'm like going to town. I don't really know what I expected. I honestly was just focused on myself. I didn't really think much about Amber, but then I started thinking about Amber when she sat there and stared. And so for me, I told Amber today, I walked out of that moment and was like all my anxiety that I had about my my baby, I like projected on Amber and I was like, don't like her. <laughs> Didn't like that moment. Don't like her. She just kind of sat there and she wasn't cold or aloof. It was just like a matter of fact, like I'm listening. You told me to listen. You asked me to listen. I listened and let's move on. And okay, well, that was good. So I went to a doctor's appointment four hours later. My husband was out of town and one of my really good friends, Katie Hill, came to the doctor with me and everything was great. Everything was fine. Um, they said it was a ruptured cyst in my ovary, but that is honestly, that's part of the reason I have such a, a heart for mothers that walk through miscarriage because even the four hours that I had to wait was really, really hard. But that's not what the story is about. The story is about Amber. And the next morning I walked into work and there was a note sitting on my bed. I mean, on my bed, on my desk. And I opened it up and it was a sweet little note. And Amber actually highlighted part of it. But I'm going to let her tell you a little bit about kind of what she was walking through in that moment. And what I thought was just this moment of rejection for me was actually the Lord moving in her heart and doing a work that I had no idea was going into action. Okay, so first of all, my marriage was really, really good, and Carl, my husband, is God's greatest gift to me. He literally ordained our marriage, and um, pretty much Audrey did not know how much her prayer meant to me because I was in a place where the promises that I had believed about marriage were not true at that moment because I drew, I grew up in a Christian household. I went to church all my life. I was a really good girl. I did not drink in high school. I didn't do drugs. I didn't have sex. I did nothing. I thought I was the best girl. So I deserved everything in my mind. But really what I did was uphold God to his end of the bargain. And really, I didn't have a relationship with him. I had a religious bondage with him. I thought that I was just trying to serve a great king and ruler. And he would give me everything I want when really he's my father. Um, so pretty much I believed all these promises were going to come true about marriage and about, um, just being in a healthy household and they weren't coming true for me. And so my, my marriage and my relationships turned into bitterness and I was in a period of darkness where I, everything was just bad and dark and I was experiencing temptations for self-harm. Um, I was coping in ways that I'd knew were not healthy for me. I was drinking heavily and, um, to the point where I wouldn't go to church the next day. Cause I was like, what's the point? Why would I do that? Why would I go serve a God who obviously didn't care enough about me to give me everything I needed or wanted or held true or believed to be true. So I would spend nights just 
crying out to my husband and asking him to hold me while I was screaming and writhing on the floor in just a panic attack and desperation for what I believe to be what marriage was supposed to look like. Um, and it, with that story, I will be glad to, to tell further, but I'm not going to do that today. It's more about returning back to who Christ is and who Christ is to me and the relationship that I have with him. And so at this time, Audrey was praying over her womb and I was just sitting there and I was in this period of darkness where I did not want to receive anything from this being, this, this supernatural being. Um, I still believed in him, but I didn't want to hear from him. I didn't want to have a conversation with him. So she's praying. It convicted me to my core. And so that's why I gave her the, the deer in the headlights look. Um, but really, so I wrote her this note where pretty much I said, seeing your faith through fear and anxiety spiritually convicted me. And then further down, I said, I honestly prayed on your behalf. Beyond that, I have had that door closed for a while now. I've been bitter at God for what feels like betrayal of his, of his promise. I have found it hard to worship, pray, or listen spiritually lately. I know this has been missing in my healing process, but and I've been denying about it. So at the end of it, I just was telling her thank you for her vulnerability and her faithfulness. And ultimately, I was in a place where I was asking for help or I was trying to seek help. And I was looking for somebody to speak life into me. And I think a lot of people were. And a lot of people were saying they were praying for me and it meant, it meant a lot. It meant the world because I loved knowing that I had a community, but watching somebody go through a serious trial where she thought that her baby was dying on the inside of her. And she said, I have to pray in front of somebody. So I have accountability. And so that the spirit is here that, that changed it for me. I, I saw somebody pray in the midst of darkness and in the midst of, of death. And she said, my God is greater and I'm here to pray over it. I'm like going back to that day and just the emotions that were there. But basically up to this point, there's two different roles that you might have listening to this. Either you are the one that is made to return that you're listening to this and you're like, yes, I resonate with Amber. Like I've been betrayed. I've been hurt. There's church hurt there. There's Jesus hurt, God hurt, friend hurt, mother hurt. Maybe it's father hurt and that's affected your relationship. Or maybe you're the one listening and your relationship with God is pretty stable, but you have that person in your life that you feel like is made to return. So from this point forward, we're kind of going to dive into two different aspects here. And Amber, do you just want to talk about really quick any advice you would have for somebody who's listening to this? and has left their walk with the Lord for whatever reasons it may be, kind of how you started manifesting the Lord's voice in your life and how you started turning back to that relationship with him. What was a turn on for you? What was a turn off for you? And what drew you in? Okay, so um, I grabbed my Bible. So if you heard me, that was my wiggling. Um, but really I went home and I opened my Bible for the first time in probably six months. And I even dated it because this was a very significant turning point for me. Um, but I opened my Bible and I saw Psalm six and in Psalm six, let me whip my Bible back in front of me. Um, in Psalm six, David is crying out to God 
and he's saying things like, Lord, do not rebuke me in your anger. Anger, Be gracious to me, Lord, for I am weak. Heal me, Lord, for my bones are shaking. My whole being is shaken with terror. And you, Lord, how long? Turn, Lord, rescue me. Save me because of your faithful love. For there is no remembrance of you in death. Who can I thank you? Or who can thank you in Sheol? Which is a whole other thing that we'll get into. Um, but that whole passage of Psalm 6, and it goes further into just his desperation for the Lord and just relying on his faithfulness. The whole page is tear stained. It is wrinkled like I dropped the whole Bible in the toilet. Um, but it is tear stained and it left a mark on me and my spirituality because at that moment I had turned to the Lord and I said, I need your help. And it wasn't that I was saying that I trusted him with everything. It's that I wanted to be invited into the process. And in this book that I'm reading about frequency and tuning into God's voice, he says that Abraham, he was asking about, um, about Lot's land where he was living at Sodom and Gomorrah. And he said, if I find 50 people, if I find 15 people, will you save them? And he was asking on and on to God, the God of the universe, if he would save them. And at that moment, God was the God of the universe. So he knew exactly what his plan was. But he also said that I'm going to invite you into this process. I want to hear what you have to say. I want to hear your questions, hear your anger, hear your disgust. And I want to have this conversation with you. So at that moment, I was opening the door for a conversation with the Lord and I was ready to receive. I was not ready to, to trust him necessarily, but I was opening the door to receive whatever he had for me. And I know the Bible tells us to, that if we draw near to him, that he draws near to us. And even if that means opening the door to receive from him, then I believe he's going to draw nearer to us at the end. And then the second thing that I would say that helped me return back to Christ and return to relationship with him was I had to really evaluate what I was putting into my mind and what I was putting into my spirit. Because at the end of the day, the podcast I was listening to, the music that I was listening to was contributing to darkness. They weren't necessarily bad things, but they were on dark topics or they were on things that were of the flesh. And I needed something that was going to feed my spirit and feed my belief in who God was. And so I know the Bible tells us in Colossians, set your minds on things that are above and not on earthly things. Um, I needed to set my mind on who God created me to be, that he has a purpose for my life, that he has created me with, with purpose to further his kingdom. And if I step into that role and I start seeing this trial as something that is going to strengthen me and give me a skill set that in the end will give me a better foothold to further his kingdom and to work on behalf of him, then that is ultimately my goal. And that is the greatest blessing. And honestly, even to go a step further, I needed to surround myself with women that were going to, to encourage me spiritually and women that were going to pray over me at the drop of a hat. And so they invited me a small group and I said, fine, I'll go. I think y'all crazy. And then they invited me to a healing prayer at 6 a.m. in the morning. And I said, fine, I'll go. Let's see what happens. Um, but at the end of the day, I just wanted more of what they had. I wanted more of the spirit and I wanted more of peace and joy. And I wanted to feel God's presence again more than anything in my life. And so I needed to surround myself with people that were going to display that every single moment of their day. And so if somebody invites you to church, then go, even if you're mad at God. Even if you're angry and you don't understand and you sit there with your arms crossed the entire time, I'm asking you to go because at the end of the day, 
he is going to speak to your spirit. I don't know how he's going to do it. He's going to speak through somebody's words. He's going to speak through music. He's going to speak through scripture. Or he's going to speak through somebody that gives you coffee the moment before you walk in. But I believe he's going to speak to you and he's going to re- help you return back to back to his loving arms. And he's going to wrap you up and say, welcome home, my child, my daughter that I've been waiting on. Preach it, girl. I love how much emphasis you just put on your role and what you can control. You took those next steps to return, and oftentimes in this journey of returning, I do think that you're the one that has to take the initiative. You know, you're the only one that can control your actions. And so, Amber, I love how much emphasis you put on just changing your mindset, taking that next step. But what does that look like for the friend? You know, what does that look like for me and my role? How can I aid you on this journey to return? And I just kind of wanted to hone in on maybe some next steps for you to helping your friend, your family member, your coworker, whoever it is, in making Christianity that more attractive relationship that it truly is. And the first thing I would say is that you need to be praying that God draws them in. In John six forty four, it says, no one can come to me unless the father who sent them draws them. And honestly, I love that verse because I feel like it kind of takes the pressure off. Like, Lord, you have to make the first move. There is nothing that I can do without you. And I want to be your vessel, but you have got to start drawing them in. And I'm going to start praying in agreement for that. And Amber talks about this, that for her, you know, her drawing in was just her saying, I'm going to open up. I'm not saying that I trust you, but I am opening up to you, Lord. And that was just, you know, that was the beginning of that knocking on her heart. So I'm going to come in beside her and pray in agreement with the opening of her heart for her to possibly receive something. And I love just, let's always go back to the root should be prayer. The next thing I would say is just to be authentic. You know, Christianity becomes really unattractive when its attempt is perfection. And I used to think that being a witness, I needed to be perfect, but I was in fact absolutely wrong. And when I opened up about my sins and my darkness and my struggles with faith, that's when Christianity becomes attractive. I remember I, the first girl that ever met that I thought, wow, like I want to be a Christian like her. She was cool and she was real and she was not perfect. And she said a cuss word every once in a while. And I'm not justifying sin, but I'm saying we are all sinners. And the more open and honest we are with our authenticity, the more attractive Christianity becomes. And even more to dive into that, someone who is hurting from the church, who maybe has church pain, God pain, maybe it's a person in the church or whatever it has that's drawn them away from God, likely does not want to discuss the source of that pain. And if they do want to talk about it, usually they often want to validate that point. And I'm sure you've heard of the phrase, hurting people hurt people. And when that scab is being picked off by those religious invitations or religious bondage or whatever might be their trigger, sometimes the open wound causes more pain and deeper hurt. So sometimes the best thing for you to do is just to be authentic. And my next point is just live your life. 
the greatest thing you can do for a Christian a lot of the times is just to live your life, be a vessel and a witness by how you live. Um, I know you want to invite them to church. I know you do. And I love how Amber talked about um, encouraging those who are wanting to accept the invite. But when someone's in the season of hurting, going back to the source it's just not an option to bring them to church sometimes. And so really what we can do and what's made the biggest impact in Amber's life was she just watched. That's all she did. She had to sit back and watch. And I love that our story that she is being moved by the Holy spirit. And all I was doing was living my life. Like I, I feel bad, but Amber wasn't even really a blip on my radar at that moment. I was truly just living my life And there's nothing more attractive in Christianity than someone who is under fire and withstanding the flames. You know, in general, we all want to be taken out of of the pressure of the fire. But truly, when we're standing there with the Lord, instead of that fire coming and consuming us, it purifies us and it purifies our faith. So if you're somebody and you're listening to this and you feel like you can't even help somebody return because you are walking through the deepest valley of your life or your hardest storm, know that this is the greatest chance to be a vessel and to truly be the hands and feet of Jesus just by simply doing you and living out your faith. And One thing I do kind of want to touch on really quickly is that if you knew Amber, you knew that she was walking through the fire. I mean, that girl does not hide much, first of all, but I know, and I know we talked about how we didn't have this truly intimate relationship, but you don't always need intimacy to see somebody walking through pain. And even though we weren't close, Amber's transparency and just the hurt that she had, you were able just to see her walking through this valley. And there were a lot of really awesome, godly women that were speaking life into her. And Amber will say like, you know, I heard, I heard these things being said and I was told things, but it was like, it fell on deaf ears and it just wasn't impacting me. And it just reminded me of that parable of the seed that's thrown. You know, the seed is is constantly being thrown in the parable. It's thrown on thorns. It's thrown on hardened soil. It's thrown, you know, in rocks. And it's the soil that is that is ready for taking that ends up growing this harvest. And if somebody is in this journey of returning and they are not ready and their heart is hard, or maybe there's thorns there, you know, you can throw out this seed, but it might not always be received. So I love how Amber touched on the fact that you have to be ready to receive. So if you're listening to this and you are on the returning journey, you have to open your heart. You have to be ready to receive. But as the seed is thrown, I am hoping that these points of just praying for your friend and authenticity and just living your life kind of help you to guide this soil so that it is ready to be received and that it's possible for someone struggling to return to see that in you and to desire what you have. The last little thing I do want to touch on is this thing that Rick Warren calls God honoring courage. And 
when you are watching someone on this wandering journey, it is really hard to sit back and watch. I know it is. And I know that these points, you want something more hand-on. We like the invitation of inviting someone to church because it's something tangible that we can do. But it's the best thing that sometimes you can do is just to have that God-honoring courage and just to be a testament. It's tough sometimes to stand up for what you know God wants and expects, especially when you're in an environment where maybe someone else scoffs. But when you do, you will draw unbelievers to God. In mine and Amber's story, you know, when I'm laying hands and praying on my womb, I knew that that was the next step for me. And I really did not, and you talked about how I did not appreciate Amber's reaction, that she did not move in towards me. She was not warm. And I think sometimes in those moments that you're doing the right thing, it doesn't always feel affirming in the moment, but we have no idea what eternal moment we're creating. And recently Amber was sharing her story with a friend and that friend completely shut down while she was talking about, you know, her past and her life. And she walked away and was upset and came and said, you know, I told her my story and she didn't really do anything. And I had to remind her of Amber, when I was walking through this hard moment, you didn't do anything. And I think sometimes we expect this reaction, but sometimes when the Lord is really working on us, we have to have a moment to process these things. And so if you are someone who maybe starts taking these actions and living our life and being authentic and there's no response just be encouraged that stuff is happening internally. And to go back to that little quick blip, the friend of Amber's that she had talked to about her, you know, marital struggles and disappointments in God later opened up that she was also really disappointed in God and had left her walk with the Lord because she was abused as a child. And, you know, she didn't open, open up in the moment and things were awkward in the moment. And, it's just another story that shows we have no idea what other people are processing. So if you're listening to this and you feel like you do all, all the actions for made to return, the things we talked about, and there's no, you can't see any seeds growing. Just know that that soil still might be hard, but the seeds are still there. And one day when the water comes and that soil begins to soften, those seeds are going to take root and that it might take time for those seeds to grow, but, but they're there. They're still there. So we hope these points have encouraged y'all to just either open your heart to return back to Christ or to kind of give you some next steps to take if you have a friend that you want to encourage to return back to Christ. So to close this out, I'm going to let Amber pray over us and just kind of solidify what the Lord has done here. If you are on the other end of this podcast, just open up your heart to receive this prayer and know that you're not alone, that Oh, any relationship is hard. Relationships are hard. And a relationship with the father, the devil wants nothing more but to attack that relationship. So just even if all you can do is open the door a crack, then barely crack that door and just let this prayer speak to your heart. Father, thank you so much for being my banner of victory, for being sovereign, for being my peace giver, my comforter, my counselor. Thank you for being there, Father. Thank you for being present. 
We acknowledge your presence right now, Father. And we acknowledge your presence right beside the woman who feels alone and who feels bitter and who feels angry and who feels like she's been betrayed. Father, I know what that hurt feels like. I know what it feels like to feel like the man or the the father who created you has betrayed you and has left you alone in the dust and there is nowhere to turn. Father, I ask that you come powerfully upon her and that your spirit encompasses her and that she feels the peace that transcends all understanding. Father, we lay at your feet the worry and the anxiety and the depression and the trial that is consuming us that is straight from the devil himself. God, we lay it at your feet and we expect the peace to come over us. And we expect your spirit that is powerful for it's not by might nor by power, but by your spirit that we were able to conquer these demons that are, that are coming over us, Father. Father, I ask for the, the women that don't know how to speak to their friends and to their loved ones about Jesus who has fallen away. Father, I ask for them to ask for guidance and to be open and bold to pray over these women and over these people to speak on behalf of you and to act on behalf of you. God, I pray that your spirit, that it helps them move every step that they take, every word that they speak and every action with their hands that is bound by your spirit, Father. God, I want them to act in your grace and in your glory and in your joy and in your peace. God, I ask for boldness. Um, on behalf of the woman that is betrayed and now on behalf of the woman that is asking for her friend to return. I ask for a door to be open today, Father. God, open the door so that your daughters can return back to you. God, you are sovereign and you are our Father and you love us and we accept your love today and we accept your peace and we accept what you're doing inside of us right here in this moment. I thank you for the woman that is returning back to you. I thank you for the heart that is being changed and that you are constantly renewing our minds to set our minds on higher and things that are above for you have made us with a purpose and you have all things planned for the good of your people and for those who seek you. We love you so much, Father. Thank you so much for being here with us today. And in Jesus name, amen.